Happy birthday, Joy Church! Woo! Exciting. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm actually kind of emotional, so you're just going to have to probably... Barry was teasing me for crying, but I'm going to cry. Because, man, when just what God has done, because of all of you, what God has done in the church this last year. I mean, we started a year ago today, on March 13th. Uh, we started in our living room, and kids' ministry was in the garage. And I was telling people, it's not a cute name. We call the kids' wing. It's a garage. There are literally oil stains uh, and that's where we're going to put your kids because we love children at Joy Church. It's hard to sell vision <laughs> when your kids' ministry is in a garage. Now the, your kids come out with whatever is on the floor of the movie theater. Uh, but man, you know, I heard a pastor talk about church planting and church growth, and he was saying, as long as heaven and hell are a reality, church growth isn't an option. Uh, you know, you realize these are real people in real places that we're talking about that we have the privilege as a group of, of followers of Christ to be in this city to represent Jesus and, and that, that because of your yes to Jesus, because of your faithfulness to his, his call that came to you, the gospel that came to you because you let it come through you, real people get to find life in Jesus. Real people get to find hope. Come on, somebody. Real people get to find community. Real people get to encounter the king above all kings. They get to meet Jesus. They get to have their life transformed, right? And that's what we're here to do. That's what we're all about. So happy birthday. Come on, we got popcorn. We got cupcakes. That's a good day. Somebody brought me Chick-fil-A this morning. That's a good day, right? Thank you, Justin and Tamara. They, they always remember me when they come into their kingdom of, uh, of Chick-fil-A. To me... There isn't really, you can't experience God's glory in chicken sandwich form unless you've been to, to Chick-fil-A. That's, that's where it's at. Uh, Bethany sends her greetings. Uh, Bethany is with um, a, a lady from the church here that she's going up to, I forget the name of the place, but a juvenile uh, facility to bring our kids there because they've been naughty this week. And uh, no, <laughs> they're doing ministry up there, so she's not able to be with us today, but send her a message and say happy birthday. And uh, just thank you for being here today. What a, what a great day it is. And come on, God turned the, the lights on for us outside, which is exciting. You know, I, I went on, was it Friday? It was a nice sunny day, right? And uh, because it had been about a year since we'd had one of those here, I decided I went and got a lawnmower. And I, I wanted to lay in the yard with my shirt off and just soak up as much vitamin D as I could, you know, but I decided not to scare the neighbors uh, with that. So... Just love uh, what a beautiful day it is. Well, this morning we're finishing a, a series we've been in for the last four weeks called Modern Day Disciple. And we've been unpacking this word disciple. What does it mean? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And we've been looking at what we call the four C's. It sounds like a, a, a soul band from the 1960s, right? Motown group. Um, but the four C's uh, come, we get the, this definition for disciple out of Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, and I'll read that in a second. But the four C's very simply are this. Disciples are people that are following Christ in community, who are being changed by Christ, and are answering the call of Christ. So our four C's, the, the four kind of anchor words or points around what a disciple is, what it means to be a, a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, a student of his life, and uh, wanting to pattern ourselves after him, it's, it's to be a follower of Christ, that's C1, in the context of community, C2, right? To be changed by Christ, C3, and then, and this is getting confusing to me, and then the fourth C is the call, and we're going to talk about the call today. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was walking around physically on the planet, 
he came upon these fishermen, and they'd had some interactions. If you study this out historically, this wasn't the first meeting or encounter they'd had with Jesus, but he meets these, these fishermen, and it's uh, Peter and, and uh, Andrew, his brother, and, and these other brothers, James and John. And it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus invited them to come into a relationship of discipleship. And a disciple, very simply, is just a follower of someone. It's a student of their life. It's like somebody who says, I want to be just like Beyonce. That's a Beyonce disciple. Right? A person, yeah, and people are like, no, yeah, no. But I, I want to be just like fill in the blank. It means you're a disciple. If you want to be just like Jesus, then you're a disciple of Jesus. But there's some definition of that. So Jesus invites them into this relationship. He says, come follow me. That's, what it, that's where it starts, right? How many of you have heard the call to follow Jesus? Right? I love seeing the popcorn out there. That's so awesome. That's my vision for being here. I just, it's beautiful. Hold it up. Wave it. Oh, come on. That's beautiful. I love it. Popcorn in church. You're like, oh man, my grandma's turning over in her grave. People eat, oh Jesus, eating popcorn in church. What's next? They're going to start playing rock and roll music. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I get, I, have a, I get a little distracted, you know, but uh, I love it. But Jesus calls us to follow him. And that's a beautiful thing right where we are, right in our mess. He comes and makes a masterpiece. Isn't it amazing that Jesus calls us, even just right where we are, and he calls them, he says, come fo- he calls them, it's a community. Being a Christian is not, it's not like playing golf all by yourself, it's a team sport, right? We do this together, we're in it together, to be changed by Christ. We, we talked about that last week, what's it look like to be changed by Jesus? We said, hey, move that bus, we want to see the masterpiece that he has for all of us, right? Change doesn't have to be, it's not all bad, it's good when Jesus is in, in charge of that change, but all of those three things lead up to this moment, which is the call. Jesus says, come follow me, come in community, I want to change you, but this is why. Here's the the why. It's because you are called to be fishers of men. In other words, all the good things that I'm doing in your life are not meant to just remain with you exclusively, but I I want to make you an agent of change in the world. How many of you know that there's a lot of people with a lot of agendas walking around that want to get your money or get your allegiance or get your attention, that want you to follow them? We're going to save the environment or we're going to be the, we're anti this or we're anti that or we're for this or for that. You can follow a lot of people, but the world doesn't need a lot of followers of someone else. It needs followers of Jesus who represent what it means, what Jesus is and who Jesus is. Come on. That's what our world needs. And Jesus invites us to respond to the call to be fishers of men, to captivate, to capture the the heart of people, to touch them right where they are, to to see people free and delivered and restored and brought into their original purpose and to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We have the privilege and honor of being invited into that mission. And the very last thing that Jesus said when he was on the planet, Matthew chapter 28, it's called the Great Commission. He said, all authority has been given to me. Jesus said, look, there isn't a higher There's not a higher opinion on this. There's not a higher word on this. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and lo, which is a really funny religious word, and lo, I am with you. He says, "I'm, I'm with you even to the end of the age. This is the call that every one of us as Christians has been given. 
I just want to tell you right now, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, and you're in this process, in this journey of of following Jesus, you are in full-time ministry. It doesn't matter where your paycheck comes from. One of the myths that our church exists to destroy is that it takes professionals to do the work of the ministry. We, We believe that if you are, if you've responded to the call of Christ and you've become a follower of Jesus, that you have something unique and, and awesome to give to the world and that you are called to minister to others. Our church is all about getting people out of the stands into the, onto the field. Come on. Getting people off the bench into the game. Moving from fan to follower. Moving from spectator to participant. That's what we're about here at Joy Church. We want you to serve. We want you to give. We want you to go to the mission field. We want you to to be radical for Christ. Not so people can think you're weird, but so you can change the world. Come on, we want to see our city revolutionized by the gospel of Jesus because that's the best message in the whole world. Man, I'm preaching today. I'm preaching. It's our birthday. It's your birthday. You know that Christianity is always just one generation away from disappearing? It's amazing that we are sitting here today in a movie theater in 2017, worshiping Jesus, talking about Jesus, and that this has been going on in some form or some place around the world for over 2,000 years. And it is always hung on each successive generation responding to this call. Did you know that you and I are only here eating popcorn at the one-year birthday of Joy Church because some generation, somebody, somewhere, some follower of Jesus loved you enough and loved the call of Christ enough to work in a nursery, to open their house for a group, to pray, to give some money, to go to a mission field, to do something to answer the call. That's why you and I are here today. And the question I have for you today is this. Is it going to disappear in our generation or are we going to respond to the call? Will we take what was given to us and be good stewards of it and love the next generation of followers of Jesus enough to answer the call that comes to us to go and make disciples? Now, before I freak you out and you're like, what does that even mean? Let me just tell you right now, making disciples is a very simple concept. It's just helping people follow Jesus. One of the ways that we say it here, and I I love this kind of mantra that we use is this, take the journey, take someone with you. As you have one hand in Jesus' hand, and he's, he's bringing you along, and some of us, that takes a while, right? Sometimes it's kicking and screaming with my heels dug in, and Jesus is he's pulling me along, and he's working it out with me. It's like taking your kid, you know, when you go to the grocery store, and they suddenly become demon-possessed. And then they all of a sudden, they gain 40 pounds, and they dig their heels in, and you can't move them. They're unmovable. It happens to me every day. And anybody with kids, right? And sometimes as we're with Jesus, he's pulling us along. And what, what, we're, what he wants us to do is just extend our hand back and, and grab hold of somebody else and say, look, I'm on a journey. I'm not perfect. I can't change you. I can't heal you. I can't restore you. But I know who can. Here's who I'm connected with. Here's, here's Jesus. Let's follow Jesus together. That's making disciples. Take the journey. Take someone with you. I love it. With Jesus, there's always a next step. It doesn't matter where you are. Man, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in the worst shape of my life. I'm addicted to drugs. I'm, I'm messed up. My marriage is in shambles. I mean, people come to Jesus in the worst mess. All of us come to Jesus in a mess. Come on. Doesn't matter where you are. There's always a step with Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. There's always a step. Comedian uh, Jeff Foxworthy. How many of you like Jeff Foxworthy? How many of you are Jeff Foxworthy? You're a redneck. Yeah. You get pulled over by the police. They're like, can I see some identification? You show them your belt buckle, right? You just might be a redneck. 
And uh, Jeff Foxworthy was talking about being in the city of Atlanta. And I've never had the privilege of being in Atlanta, but I've heard stories. My wife's visited there many times. And I guess the road system there, the freeway system, is very confusing. And getting directions is kind of a, a hairy situation. And so Jeff Foxworthy was talking about he pulled over at a gas station and a good old boy's there chewing on straw, you know, you know, whatever. He's there. And, and Jeff says, hey, I need to get to this theater. Can you tell me how to get there? And the guy says, yeah, I can tell you how to get there. So what you want to do is you, you, you want to get yourself, you take a left and then a right. You're going to take Patterson. You're going to move on here down this road here. You're going to go up this way. No, wait a second. Wait, wait, no. You're going to go right, left. No, no, wait. You can't get there from here. <laughs> How many of you are like, that's my entire religious experience. You can't get there from here. But the good news is with Jesus, you can always get there from here. And it doesn't really matter where here is because you have the greatest Savior who has pursued you. The hound of heaven has chased you down and will not relent until you are wrapped in his loving embrace. Come on, Jesus, he chases us down. He, he, he goes all in, all out for us. And our call as disciples is just simply to say, and disciple makers is simply to say, look, as I follow Jesus, you just come with me. I'm taking this journey. Why don't you come with me? I don't know what that's going to look like. For some people, that's going to be doing a Bible study. For some people, it's just having somebody over for dinner. But there's always a next step in following Jesus. But as we talk about answering the call, it starts with caring about the call. Because it's one thing to intellectually agree, and it's another thing to care at a deep level. The reason you and I are here is not because Christians sat comfortably in a nice warm or, or air-conditioned building and, and heard a nice sermonette from a Christianette and everybody sang their perfect Christian songs, you know, and, 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 and they, they intellectually agreed with this message. That's not what happened. It went from here to here, and when something is there, it goes here into what you do. When it goes from the head to the heart, it gets to your hands and to your feet. We have to care about the call before we can answer the call. You know, I, I see like the it used to be on milk cartons. I don't think they do this anymore. But you'd have pictures of kids that are missing, which is tragic, isn't it? I mean, it's very sad. Like this kid went missing in this community. And, you know, you're sitting there and you see that and you're like, that's, that's too bad. Captain Crunch. Intellectually, I'm sad. Right? So a missing kid on a milk carton, that's sad. If it's my kid who's missing, that's an emergency. You hear what I'm saying? Like, a lot of times as Christians, we hear, oh, answer the call, make disciples, and we just eating our Captain Crunch. Yeah, that was, I see the milk carton, and I see the picture, and I'm sad, but, but you know, I don't know, somebody, have to do, somebody should do something about that. Yeah, you should do something about that. You know, oh, people, people are, are dying and entering a, Christ, a godless eternity, and uh, people are hopeless, and they're afraid, and they're, they're broken, and they're in bondage, and, you know, somebody should do something about that. Our, you, know, you know, people say this to me, well, your church should do something. I'm like, you know, we are the church. That means you and we should, we should do something about this problem. See, a kid on a milk carton, that's sad. But if it's my kid, it's an emergency. I remember one day I was at home and I was on a really important phone call, actually getting insurance so that, you know, we had insurance for this place. Aren't you glad that we have that? Uh, you're like, great, I was planning on seeing you guys today. Anyway, so if you do, we have insurance. Um, please don't do that. We gave you popcorn, right? Nobody choke. Just walk carefully. And uh, anyways, I'm on the phone with our insurance agent. It's, it's an important phone call. And Bethany uh, says, I'm gonna, she said, I'm going to take a walk. And we're at our, our, our house uh, where we live, used to live up in South Eugene. 
And Evie was, the other kids were uh, taking a nap, but Evie was awake and she's watching TV upstairs. So Bethany says, I'm going to step out. Will you keep an eye on Evie? I'm like, sure. So I go up. I'm on the phone. She's, you know, look, watching TV like <laughs> totally engaged. And so I'm thinking, she's, this is great. I go back downstairs. Ten minutes later, Bethany comes in and she's like, where's Evie? Which, if, as a parent, when somebody asks you, like, where's your kid? And you're like, well, they should be in plain sight. How many, you know what happens to your heart? You just age like five years right there. I have gray hairs. I'm like, that's when Evie went missing that one time. This is when I thought I lost my iPad. You know, all these, you can point at it right there in my beard. Like, these are all the things. And where's Evie? And I go, I, she was watching TV. Well, she decided that she was going to go find mom on her walk. And so she's walking in the neighborhood. So we run out of the house and I'm like, oh crap, we have other kids. Sorry. You know, we have other children. <laughs> This is the heart of Jesus, right? It says he leaves the 99. Don't do that in real life, though. If you have other kids, you know, sorry, officer, I know our, our two-year-old burned the house down, but we lost another kid. We're really great parents. Want to come to our church this Sunday, you know? And so we're, we're frantic, and, and let me just tell you, when it's an emergency, you do things you don't do. You do things that you would not do. We're out in our neighborhood. Evie! Evie! Neighbors are like, drinking their coffee. We don't go screaming in our neighborhood, but our daughter was missing. So we're running frantic. I kept running out of the house, and then running in, oh, I'll keep the kids asleep. You know, don't wake up, don't wake up. And, and Bethany goes, Bethany runs out of the house and runs up the, the hill, and, and she hears the sound of Evie crying. And Evie had walked like a good distance away from our house. We found her. We found her. That call when it's personal, if you can personalize this problem, that makes you want to answer the call. You will do things that you would not normally do. You will go places that you would not normally go. You will say things you would not normally say if you care. Compassion comes from connection. And, and you know, when you talk about people who don't know Jesus and people who, who need to, to enter into a relationship of discipleship with Jesus, who need to follow Jesus, you just need to remember that everybody is somebody somebody. Everybody is somebody somebody. You know, when I think about what if my daughter was far from Jesus? What if she was, what if in her spiritual journey she has a, a time where she walks away? And I know a lot of people have this, family members that are working it out. You know, they're, they maybe knew Christ and now, now they're not serving Jesus or they're having problems or something happened and they got hurt and now all of a sudden, let's say that's my beautiful daughter, that's my, my girl, and she's maybe a college student, and she's riding a subway somewhere, and, and do I want a Christian to go, oh, that girl, that's pretty sad. That's my daughter. I hope somebody would look and say, it's not a milk carton, this is somebody's somebody. Every, every woman that you see is someone's daughter. It's someone's sister. Someone's mom. Every man that you see that's asking for money on the side of the street, that's somebody's son, somebody's father. Everybody is somebody, somebody. And everybody is somebody to God. And when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, you don't ignore the call, you take the call. And you say, Jesus, I'm on it. I care. You know, Jesus told a story about his heart, about the, the 99 sheep. He said, if a shepherd has 100 sheep and one of them's missing, he leaves the 99 to go and find that one, and he rejoices more about that one sheep. When a person that is far from God gives their life to Christ, heaven throws a party. 
The, you know, we're having a one-year birthday for our church. That's exciting. But the best birthday ever is when you find Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus and you come into his, his kingdom. Come on. Responding to the call means caring about what God cares about. And God cares about his kids. He cares about his kids. You know, the gospel came to you. You think about this. If you're a follower of Jesus, somebody answered the call. And I know when we say things like answer the call, it sounds like, well, are you asking me to go, you know, give my life on a mission field or, you know, start a church or something? Maybe, but, but honestly, answering the call is just about taking that next step. Practically, how can I help people follow Jesus? Practically, actually, not in theory, but in practice, how can I help someone follow Jesus this week? The gospel came to me, can it come through me. I was given heaven's best. Am I going to share it or am I going to hoard it and hold it on, hold on to it for myself? So I want to give you three steps today about what we can do, what we can do to answer the call. Number one, we just need to open our eyes to people's need for Jesus. You know, the other day I was in my office at our church building on, in West Eugene, and a lady pulled up, and I don't know what she was doing, but she was in the parking lot, and she pulled up, and she just kind of looked not great, just kind of not dirty, but just not put together, just, I don't know, I don't know her story, but she just wasn't looking super sharp, and I, I just kind of had an unkind thought, like, man, that lady doesn't look super good, she's kind of like, looks tired and grumpy, and looks like a mean person, you know, I'm just totally judging her, sorry to admit that I am a horrible person, but yeah, and I'm just, and I just had, and it was like, an instant, just a, a judgment, a thought, unkind thought, and I just felt, I felt like my father in heaven, I felt God just put his hand on my shoulder and just kind of whisper in my ear, son, that's all. Not, not like you're going to go to hell for that. You know, it wasn't, God didn't judge me, it was just like, son, you're better than that. Son, what's your story? You know, when you talk to people, when you hear their story, what they've been through, where they go through, you kind, of, you kind of get past the cover of the book and you get inside and you realize everybody's on a journey. Everybody's in a process. People have pain. There's a reason why somebody might give you a bad look or why they flip you off on the freeway and it might not be that they're just a horrible, rotten person. Maybe something happened in their life. You know, are we, our eyes open, and it's not our physical eyes, it's the eyes of our heart to say, my job here is not to be critical and judge everyone. It's to see people's need for Jesus. Am I open to lean in and want to hear someone's story? What would it be like if I didn't have hope? How would I be? How would I be if, if Jesus wasn't actively working in my life? What would it be like if my marriage was being, was being ripped apart from the inside out by, by sinfulness and adultery and abuse? Or What would it be like if I was addicted to drugs can I open the eyes of my heart and see people's need for Jesus? What would it be like if you didn't have love in your life? What if you didn't have a community to belong to? What if you didn't have hope of eternal life? I mean, just think what life is like without Jesus. And I'll just tell you right now that if people put on, put on good airs, they, they get their, you know, their, their facade out and even might look like everything's put together. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have hope, you don't have eternal life. And, and, we, and the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin, that for a moment it feels good. It's deceitful because it makes you think everything's good. But, but most people have, have drank from, is that how you say it? The cup of disappointment of, of their own sinfulness. And I want to say as followers of Jesus, if we'll open our eyes to see people's need for Jesus, it changes us at a core level and it, and it puts us in motion to respond to the call of Christ. My brother Johnny 
He's a radical man of God. I love my brother. He's intimidatingly awesome. He's always happy, and he always has a huge smile on his face. Just hate his guts. And uh, <laughs> Johnny's like Mr. Jesus. Like, he loves everybody, and he goes and passes out flyers. And so my brother was taking these youth, and they went to this really rotten area of Medford. I mean, like a place that I have never been, and I, and I at, at this point in my life, I'm not going to go to. This really poor area of town is a trailer park. I mean, it's dingy, it's dirty, it's drug-infested, it's just rotten. And Johnny decides, well, that's where I'm going to go invite people to church, because that's Johnny, right? He, Jesus has really worked in his heart in this area. And so uh, I call him Smiler. So Smiler goes down there with his, his crew of, of young guys. They're junior hires, and they're knocking on these doors and inviting people to church and sharing God's love. And, you know, they, they start walking across the street to another house, and the person opens the door and yells, Don't go there! And Johnny's like, what? And they're like, they're, make, they're cooking meth at this moment in that house. If you knock on the door, you're, you're going to be in a hairy situation. So Johnny's like, I think we're going to take the youth out of this neighborhood. Just so you know, our youth aren't allowed to go with Johnny on trips, in case anybody was nervous. <laughs> Although we do have Kyle as our youth leader, so he's pretty crazy. But I pay a salary, so we'll keep him in line. Uh, no, I'm just teasing. Um, but, uh, but Johnny... You know, I was thinking about this, and, and, and God just impressed upon my spirit. When, when you hear the call, you will go where you don't go. When you see people's need for Jesus, there's all of a sudden an eye-opening attraction to go somewhere that you wouldn't go. Because now you care. Because now it's real. Because now it's not a milk carton kid. It's your kid. It's God's kid. It's somebody, somebody. Our eyes open. My prayer today is that our eyes will be open to see people's need for Jesus and to say that somebody is somebody, somebody and everybody is somebody to God. Number two, we need to reorganize our life around the call. I'm just going to hit us right here as American Christians. Like we have it really easy, you guys. You know, I, I've had some hard stuff happen in my life, but the reality is that as a follower of Jesus, you know, the, the hard things that I've had to go through, that it was relative relatively hard to me and then I hear the stories of other Christians in other places and what they go through and there was a beautiful man that came and stayed with us for a couple of weeks and he was from Africa and he would wake us up at 3 30 in the morning praying and singing to God and we're like shut up you know <laughs> but it was convicting because man this guy would get up and just worship his guts out and my dad asked him a question he said like basically explain to me kind of how people, Christians in Africa, you know, what the difference is between, between you guys and us here in the United States. And he said, he said, we require no comfort. That's it. And in a nutshell, what he was communicating, and they had more conversation, but he said, we require no comfort. Christians in Africa will walk 15 miles to go to church. They will, people, people in China will get a page of the Bible and weep. And, you know, we're like, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta get up early to go to church on Sunday, man. You know, I'm, and I'm just, I'm not trying to bring guilt. I just want to say I'm, I'm in the same boat with you that this call is so meaningful. What, what, what would it happen? What would it look like if we, as a, as a community, what if we began to reorganize our life a little bit and say, you know, I don't think I need the iPhone 9 and, you know, the greatest and the, the latest and the best and biggest house. What if, what if I actually reorganize my finances and I, I began to give to God's heart. What, if, what would it look like if I reorganized and, and all of a sudden my time wasn't about me raising 
you know, children that had absolutely zero challenging uh, evenings or zero challenging moments in their life? What, what if we stayed up a little bit late, but we served some people and had our house open? W- what would it look like if instead of organizing my life around myself, if I opened up some rooms in the, the house of my life and, and made some space for the call of Jesus to resonate in those rooms, what would it look like if a community collectively said, we're going to do some things that make us uncomfortable because we want to we see people that are far from Jesus come to know him. The very last thing that Jesus said before he dropped the mic was go into all the world and make disciples and teach them to obey all that I've commanded and I'm with you even to the end of the age. This is the last thing, my last command, Jesus said, and he dropped the mic, and that should be our first priority. Is the last command of Jesus your first priority? Do we have enough faith to take Jesus at his word and seek first the kingdom of God? Let me just tell you right now, Jesus tells a story about a pearl of great price. He says a merchant, he found a a pearl hidden in a field and he sold everything that he had because he wanted that one treasure. And when he got it, he rejoiced. And what Jesus was explaining was the kingdom of God. When you see Jesus and you see his purposes and he begins to come alive in your life, let me just tell you right now, There's nothing I would trade for what Jesus, who he is to me and what he is to me and his kingdom and his purposes. And my life is so fulfilled. I'm actually more fulfilled by what I give away than what I get. And when you get this secret of life, that being a servant, being humble, serving the least of these, responding to the call of Jesus and just saying, as I take the journey, I'm going to take someone with you. It will just set your heart on fire. Can you imagine what it's like to wake up every day And just realize that you were made for more than you, than just you. That there's something bigger than than each of, that, that there's something bigger to belong to, something bigger to be a part of, that we are invited by the creator of heaven and earth to share God's love and see people's whole life transformed. Come on, it's exciting. So as we reorganize our life around the call, we need to do what we haven't done before. And there's always a next step. Here's the thing. You're like, well, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't really know how I can get involved. I don't really know what it is for me. Well, there's a next step for you. A couple practical things. Maybe for you, it's, it's time to go to joy group and just be part of community and take that step. You don't have to start one. Maybe it's just going to one and bringing a neighbor with you or going to one and being a part. And maybe for you, it's taking somebody through the Purple Book. The Purple Book is a, a Bible study. It's just inviting someone to just drink coffee for an hour a week and Study the Bible and help them grow in their faith as you grow in your faith. Maybe for you, it's to to just have a conversation with someone in your life. Invite them to church. Invite them to Easter. Answering the call, it's not, oh, I'm going to the mission field. Now I'm I'm taking this message and now I'm going to sell everything. No, maybe for you, it's just one small step. But that one small step could change someone's life and it it will change your life. It will change your life. Because when you step towards God's heart, it rubs off on you. God is scary. I'll just tell you that right now. He freaks me out. Because every time I get close to him, I lose a little bit more of me. And I'm, I'm hooked in, though, and I just, I'm resistant. But I, he pulls me deeper, and all of a sudden, I'm standing here, and we planted a church this year. That is so crazy. <laughs> Your yes to Jesus. A little bit of reorganization. Just one yes one could change your life, could change this city, 
People say, oh, this is a tough community. There's not a lot of Christians. Yes, that's exciting. That means we have opportunity. Lastly, do we open our eyes to people's need? We organize our life around the call. Just need to remember that it's our job to love our neighbor. It's God's job to love the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, right? God said, it's my job to love the world, but he told us, it's your job to love your neighbor. Meaning that a lot of times we say, somebody should do something, and it's this big problem, and oh, I love people. It's easy to love people. It's hard to love a person, right? Oh, I love kids. What about your kids? (laughs) It's easy to be It's easy to love crowds. Oh, I want to see thousands of people come to Jesus. Well, what about your neighbor who's grumpy and yells at you when you you mow the wrong line in your yard? It's our job to love our neighbor. So here's what I want to leave you with. What's a tangible way? What's, What's a way that you can just take this message and just say, I just want to take one step. I don't know what it's going to be this week. Maybe it's, maybe you do know, but but I want to love my neighbor. God, it's your job to love the world. I'm going to just love my neighbor. I'm going to love the person that sits next to me on the bus. I'm going to love the person who's actually my neighbor and lives next to me. I'm going to invite him to Easter. I'm going to talk to him about, just talk to him about life, have him over for dinner, whatever it is, but what's a tangible way that you can take this? I just want to ask you to commit to pray, to pray about it. Say, God, help me, open my heart. I want to ask you to commit to think about it, to spend some time and think and say, God, is my life in response to this call? If I'm a follower of Jesus, I should be following Christ in community, committed to be changed by Christ, but it's for the point of the call. All of it has a purpose, and Jesus invites us into that purpose, and to commit to think about it, and then commit to act as a disciple maker. Because I want to tell you right now that the vision of our church is not that you would all come and listen to me. It's that, you know, I'm just here to equip you. The real ministry of Joy Church does not happen on this movie platform The real ministry of this church happens Monday through Saturday when we as the body of Christ are out and about in the world being the hands and feet of Jesus around us. Can I get an amen to that? As we close this morning, making disciples, very simply, it's helping people follow Jesus. What's the next step? It's taking the journey and taking someone with you. Take the journey and take someone with you. That is the call of Christ. You can do it. You have the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells within you. God's power is with you. Watch and see what God will do with your yes today. In the name of Jesus, amen.